Welcome to Tax Wrap, the podcast of Tax and Super Australia. Each fortnight, we present news and insights to tax and SMSF practitioners. If you've got any questions, comments or even suggestions, get in touch at podcast at taxandsuperaustralia.com.au. Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Tax Wrap episode 227. Um, I'm your host, Steve Burnham, and I'm here with Tax and Super Australia's Tax Council, John Jeffries. Thanks for being here, John. That's fine, Steve. Um, now, just so listeners are aware, uh, we are recording this two days after the federal budget 2020 was handed down. Uh, now, John, you and your team went into the wee hours of Tuesday night, uh, absorbing this whole uh, big budget, and it was a big budget this year, wasn't it? It was huge. Yes, uh, uh, just about the biggest uh, that's ever been, $214 billion deficit. Uh, right. So, yes, it's a big number. It's a big number. And there was some, lots of spending going on and uh, some very interesting um, developments for the business side of things. One which got my attention, um, which I hope you can uh, talk about a little bit, was the, uh, the, the full expensing um, write-off. Uh, I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. What was the initiative? Yeah, so it's called a temporary full expensing of right. assets. Yep. Uh, so, yes, this uh, is just huge. And I have to say that in my years of being a practitioner, I never thought I would have seen such uh, a tax change as this. Wow. So okay. that basically 99% of businesses can now go and buy uh, eligible assets. And I'll talk about what those are right. in a moment. Eligible assets and take the whole lot as a tax deduction. And no matter what and the cost, is that how no I read No matter it? what the cost. Wow, yes, that's amazing. That's yes. So uh, people will be familiar that there has been a cap up to a cost of $150,000 yep. uh, for businesses that have got a turnover of less than $50 million. Right. Now, um, in a sense, uh, it's almost all businesses, except if your turnover is over $5 billion, that's with right. a B, right. uh, then you can't do it. But uh, that certainly means there's uh, 99% of the businesses that this can apply to. And yes, it is an unlimited uh, amount of money. So you can buy uh, one machine for a million dollars or you can buy yep. uh, 20 machines for a uh, million dollars each, $20 million, and write the whole lot off in the current financial year. So it's an, an immediate write-off in the, in the same year? That's correct, yes. Right. That's amazing. Now, it, it is, uh, I thought 150000 was good. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, <laughs> unlimited's even better, yes. yes that's uh, right. So uh, now the purchase has to be used or installed by the 30th of June 2022, Oh, okay. So we've still got a bit of time yep. uh, there, but that's uh, one thing to keep in mind. Mm. Um, and the other thing is that it's only for new depreciable assets. Ah, okay. Yep. All right. Well, that's still okay. And, yeah, new depreciable assets. Now, uh, for second-hand assets, you still have um, the $150,000 amount. Uh, we assume is still going to be in place and usable. Right. Uh, so, but for new assets... Um, it's uh, it's then an unlimited amount. Yeah, yeah. Well, and being out to June 2022, I mean, some businesses would use that time to save the money to buy the, to buy these assets. I suppose. Yes. yes. So that's the issue. Um, right. uh, of course, people will appreciate that uh, many businesses have run down their cash reserves at the moment. Yeah. And for many businesses, they will have to rely on the bank lending them the money. Right. Now, right. every accountant will 
currently know that getting money from banks is not the easiest thing possible. <laughs> no. They ask a lot of questions and they take a lot of time for the money to flow. Yep. Um, and uh, the key thing is, whether you're going to get a tax deduction or not, the key thing is, can you pay the money back? Mm. And, of course, uh, that's going to be the key thing. And so the banks and the attitude of the banks to this is going to be very important mm. if this uh, incentive uh, is going to take off. That's a thing. Have you got any feeling for what the bank's attitude might be? I mean, I haven't, I haven't heard anything from the banking sector yet. Um, uh, I think all I can say is that uh, our members that I speak to, yeah. uh, there isn't one of them that says, oh, it's easy to get money from the bank. <laughs> no, it's no, no. very much the opposite. Right. It's tough and they ask a lot of questions mm. and um, that is what I think that we will be expecting. I mean, particularly yeah. if you look at it from the bank's point of view, we're in a very uncertain uh, time period. Right. And... Um, even though you might be able to get some of that loan guaranteed by the government, that's not so much of a help because the banks don't like having to enforce their guarantees. Oh. And so they want to know that you, in fact, can uh, get the money back. Um, John, I wonder, um, though, being, being the fact that you, a business can get um, claim the, the cost of the asset, that's not going to sway banks' attitude? I suppose we can't tell. Uh, well, it might come into... Uh, factoring the cash flows in the mm. future. But uh, in the end result, the bank wants you to know whether you can pay back what you borrowed yeah. and at the times that they want you to pay it back. And so uh, here, um, there may not be any impact on the cash flow except if the business goes out and buys a big enough asset and let's say that's going to wipe out their tax liability for the current financial year, right. then they should go and vary down their PAYG instalments. Oh, so right. uh, that's the other part of this is that if you go out and decide to make the big purchase and it's going to have a very significant impact on your taxable income, yep. then maybe you need to vary your, uh, say, quarterly tax payments Mm. down to zero or some other number which you think is more appropriate. Okay, that's, that's a good point. Yeah, of course. Now, before, John, you were mentioning eligible assets. Do you have any idea of what they, the eligibility might be? Um, my belief is it's probably just going to be what we normally call uh, the depreciable assets. Oh. So the questions that are being asked about cars, we know that there is a car depreciation limit mm -hmm. uh, now my guess is that that won't change so even though you want to go out and buy your three hundred thousand dollar Bentley <laughs> yes. uh, you won't be able to write that off uh, oh, now, okay. we'll have to see the law yeah but under the current situation uh, there was no change even for the one one fifty thousand dollar limit no um, so I don't expect that we'll see that change for um, for uh, the uh, larger limit. No. Um, also, I don't expect that it will be in relation to any kind of capital works. So it, it will probably be what we would normally see as being depreciable assets, but not motor vehicles. No, no, but okay. We will have to see the law just before we know for certain. So I suppose everyone's just anxiously waiting for the rules to be issued. John, another one which I found very interesting because we've, we've been here before. Uh, a few years ago, we had the lost carryback uh, which was then taken away and now it's back. I don't know if it's come back in the same guise or the same parameters, but what can you tell us about that? Uh, yes, uh, it is coming back, Steve, and it will be uh, somewhat different to the last time because the last time there was a cap on the amount that you could carry back. Right. Uh, so in this uh, situation, 
uh, what the government is going to permit, and it should be noted that this is only in relation to companies. Ah, right. So uh, loss carryback does not apply to partnerships, trusts, individuals. It's only companies. And so they're going to permit tax losses from the 2019 20 21 or 22 income years right. to offset previously taxed profits in the 2018-19 or later income years. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. So we can look at, so first of all, losses for the year that has just gone by, 30 June 2020. Yep. You will be able to offset that against tax profits in the 30 June 2019 year. Yep. Uh, if that's applicable to you. You can only do it for the previous year. Like, can you, if you get to 2022 and you somehow discover you've had a loss from 2019, is that possible or, is it a re, or, or, yes. or we don't know that yet? It is possible. Yes, I believe that that will be the case. So there'll okay. be these three years of losses, uh, 30 June 20, yep. 21, 22, yep. got losses in those years. Uh, then you can take those back to any year that includes 30 June 19 or following. Yep. Okay. And did you say that there's no cap on this? That's correct. Yes. Oh, there's okay. no cap on it. Right. Well, that, I mean, that, that's a very handy one. That would be a, uh, an initiative that I would imagine a lot of SMEs would jump onto um, depending on the situation. Yes. But, well, it, it, it really depends a lot on whether in fact you operate your business through a company. That's Many right. small and medium businesses don't no. operate through companies. No. So, uh, uh, that's uh, quite a disadvantage to those yep. who don't operate through companies because those who can uh, get this tax refund yep. and those who can't, that is, don't operate through companies, yep. won't be able to get that uh, refund. One other thing, Steve, is that if you do do the loss carry back, you can't put your company into a situation where the franking account is in deficit. So, for example... If you made profits in the June 19 year and mm -hmm. also paid a dividend in that year, if you carry back losses back to that year, you right. cannot put yourself into a situation where you've got a franking account deficit. Ah. So there will be a, a cap on it from that point of view. Okay. Well, that, that's kind of fair in a way. Now, another, another what I thought was a big, a big item, John, which I hope you can talk to us about, is the, uh, the increase in the turnover threshold. Um, it's been a huge boost in that and that this will bring a lot more businesses into a favourable position as far as some concessions go, uh, I know. But look, what can you tell us about that move? Yes, yeah, Steve. So for some years, uh, we've had a set of small business concessions. Now, note this is not the small business CGT concession. So what I'm about to say has got nothing to do with small business CGT concessions. Okay. Yep. There's a set of small business concessions, which are in Division 328 of the law, uh, which uh, up till now has applied to businesses below $10 million in turnovers. And they're things like being able to claim prepayments immediately, um, to be able to claim certain startup expenses, oh, yeah. um, an exemption from FBT on car parking, and uh, a number of others. Now, okay. what's happening is that the turnover threshold is going to be lifted from $10 million to $50 million. Right. And apparently this brings in about another 20,000 businesses that will be able to use these concessions. Wow. Uh, however, <clears throat> they are going to be bring, brought in through a, a staged process. 
So for the current financial year, the only income tax ones yep. will be the prepayments and the startup expenses. Right. The other uh, benefits or concessions will come in in the following financial year, that is uh, from the 1st of July, 2021. Okay, yep. Fringe benefits tax um, uh, exemption in relation to car parking and also the um, exemption for multiple work-related portable electronic devices, oh, right. uh, that comes in from the 1st of April, Next 2021. Year. Oh, because of the FBT year, of course, April. Yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. And that's, 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 am I right? Yes. That is a, so, quite a big change, isn't it? Uh, yes, I suppose I, I didn't think that we would see those small business concessions lifted to mm. businesses of the size of 50 million. Now, right. some of them might have to be adjusted. Say, uh, the one for trading stock has only a $5,000 leeway in the change in trading stock over the course of value of the trading stock over the course of the year. Oh. Now, if you've got a $50 million turnover business, uh, $5,000 isn't much no, when no. it comes to the change in um, the value of trading stock over yes, the course yeah. of the year. No. Um, I mean, I imagine some, some you know, like a farm, farming business might be in that basket, I assume. Um, no, that, that seems very small, but we haven't heard anything about that change yet. I suppose that's yet to come. No, I think that, that particular change doesn't start until after the 1st of July 2021 oh. and um, we'll need to see what the government does about those particular th items which are, uh, that particular item anyway, which is aimed particularly at small business, quite small businesses. Right, yeah. Um, so we might see some adjustment with that. Um, now, just we're just talking about FBT, John. There was another change to the two fringe benefits tax that uh, I hope you can explain. Uh, yes, these are two uh, what I would call minor changes, Steve, yeah. um, and whether they're going to be of any use much is another issue as well. Mm. So uh, in a situation where an employer has an employee and they want that employee to change their role, say from doing job A to job B, yeah. uh, if they spend money retraining that person, technically that uh, benefit is subject to fringe benefits tax. Now, the fact is that uh, I think many, many businesses wouldn't have even thought about the fact that there was fringe benefits tax on that. Yeah. But the reason for it is, is because if the employee had uh, expended the money to train themselves to change occupation, yeah. that that amount would not have been tax deductible to them. And so, therefore, what is known as the otherwise deductible rule yep. does not apply in relation to the fringe benefits tax regime. And so, in theory, the employer is supposed to pay FBT on that situation. But that and doesn't this announcement said... Yeah. No, sorry, I'll just, does, it, does that not happen at the moment? They don't get an FBT impost? Uh, well, the technical position is that they are supposed to. Ah, right, they're supposed to. Uh, whether in practice they actually do is another question. Right. But in practice, that, that would be the law. Mm. And so this change is saying that they're going to take away that problem with the FBT law so that FBT is not paid. Mm. Uh, however, uh, I would have thought that there is not going to be a lot of change in this yeah, as I far as the way people do things because I think that most people would never have thought that FBT was applicable in that situation. No, no I can see what you mean. But, all, but also, like, if you're doing job A, I mean, and you want to go and do what that guy's doing over there, 
Um, I don't know, I would have thought that that would be much of a problem, really. It's, it doesn't seem to be... Well, the idea is that if you change occupation, mm. um, let's say, um, uh, you know, Tax and Super Australia decided to retrain you as a tax expert, Steve, <laughs> um, or rather you decided you wanted to do that and so right. you went out and spent money doing a tax course, right. that money would not be tax deductible for you. Right. Uh, because it's considered of the earning of the income from the new occupation. Yep, yep, okay. And um, you mentioned there was another change to FBT. What, what, what's that all about? Yes, uh, so this is a good change if it actually turns out to be uh, so. Oh. So this is, uh, the government has said that they are going to try and reduce the compliance burden for people with FBT. So with FBT, uh, Often employees have got to give declarations about, say, what percentage they used a particular asset for That's business right. purposes. Yep. Um, and so what the government is trying to do is to give the Commissioner of Taxation the power to allow employers to rely on their existing corporate records rather than the employee declarations and other prescribed records. Hmm. Now, all that sounds fine, but... The question is, if we're not using what's there at the moment and we're going to imply, uh, to uh, rely on the current records that businesses keep, what on earth are those records? And what will the commissioner now require to say, uh, the, or the records that will satisfy them that uh, what has been declared in the FBT return is correct? Mm. Now, there is a great danger that we could finish up with something that's worse than what we've currently got. Yeah, uh, so the, the tax office is going to have to take a very uh, generous and lenient view towards this. Otherwise, this is going to be a non-change. In fact, it could finish up being a change that is worse than what we've got currently <laughs> got. And the... Um, the objective of the government may, might be completely defeated. Mm. It's going to take a lot of thought. I, I just had a, a flash of many, many years ago when I was working for a, a certain company and people would come with expenses and they'd write it in the book as gratuities and unrecoverables, 50 bucks mm. or something, and, and claim that back. This is before, before FPT, so it was a long time ago. Um, unless we start to have gratuities and unrecoverables in the in company books, I don't mm -hmm. know how that's all going to work. <laughs> um, but we'll see. I suppose that'll all come out in the wash. Um, mm. Can I ask you, John, one intriguing change that I wanted to find out about, and it's to do with um, capital gains, is the granny flat measure, the granny flat change, which is a great yes. name to have for a bit of tax legislation. <laughs> What's the granny flat change? Now, this may be of a great surprise to a great many people, but uh, uh, what this was aimed at is, let's say, I'll use granny, Mm -hmm. Granny sells the house, her own house, let's say for a million dollars, and she comes along to, let's say, the son or daughter and says, here's my million dollars, now look after me in your house or with a granny flat uh, until the day I die, for example. Mm. Now, what? and if that means that the granny has a right to those things, that is a right to be looked after, right. then when that million dollars is given to the son or daughter, there is a capital gains event at that time, which is called CGT event D1. Now, what's required is that you then have to determine the market value of that right, which may or may not be the million dollars and probably isn't, but it's some other value. Let's say it's half a million dollars. 
then the son or daughter has a capital gain of half a million dollars uh, that they need to pay tax on. And I suspect that many people don't realise that that exists. And so uh, what uh, the government is also concerned that in these kinds of arrangements, they're very frequently informal arrangements. Mm. And sometimes granny doesn't get a very good deal out of it. So she hands over the million dollars for her house and then uh, she perhaps not looked after quite as well as what she would have liked to have been. Mm. And so what does granny do? So what they're saying is that if you have a formal agreement between granny and the son and the daughter and uh, money's exchanges hands, then they will exempt the son and the daughter from the capital gain. But it has to be a formal agreement, basically, that granny can sue on uh, if she doesn't get what she's entitled to. If the the contract's not uh, lived up to, as it were. Yes, that's right. right. Okay. So... Uh, that's the main thing it's aiming at. However, there's also uh, the issues to do with if granny pays something uh, that goes towards the expenses, is that rent? Is that accessible income of the son or daughter? That's another thing. And also there's the question of what happens when you eventually sell the whole property. Um, uh, Do you have, um, or you sell part of it even, there are other capital gains tax issues mixed around with the main residence exemption. And we're rather hoping that all of this might deal with those things, but uh, that's what it's about. Now, the Board of Taxation uh, produced a report on this, and so this is what has prompted this change from the government. Right. So if I got this right, so there doesn't necessarily have to be a building in the backyard, uh, what people refer to as a granny fat. It's more the arrangement that they have agreed taking some money, agreed to look after granny or, you know, the parent? Yes. Okay. Yes, that's right. So, yes, so the key thing is that if a right is created in granny for the exchange of money, that creates a capital gain in the recipient, in the hands of the person that's received that money. Right. Um, And so, um, yes, it doesn't necessarily have to be a physical structure out the back. No. uh, But that, that itself has its own tax issues if there is a separate physical structure from the main residence. Yep. The question is whether that separate physical structure is actually part of the main residence. And uh, there's, there's the, debates the main, as to how yeah, that happens. Yeah. To get the main residence exemption, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Yeah. I, I was wondering that about, because uh, as, as a lot of people are uh, working from home, um, John and I are both in Victoria, and... Um, John's in his, in his swanky apartment up in the in the sky in Melbourne, overlooking the uh, the city. But um, I'm in my uh, my garden shed in the backyard, and I sort of was wondering if uh, um, that has any capital gains uh, complications. I don't think it does, John. I, I shouldn't worry about it. But um, well, the key thing, Steve, is to connect your shed out the back with what's going on inside, yes. make it an integral part. That's yes, right. That's it. And, It'll keep my sanity as well. Um, yes. All right, John, that was all very interesting. Thank you very much for clearing a lot of that up from the federal budget. And there's more clarification to come, of course, uh, which uh, members know that we'll be dealing with in the weeks and months ahead. Um, John, thank you very much for your time. Okay. Thanks, Steve. Thanks.